Welcome to the Automation Unplugged Podcast, the podcast for technology professionals featuring leading industry personalities. I'm your host, Ron Callis. Today's show features Tina Peters, Executive Vice President of SVT. Tina has over 15 years of experience in the industry and a passion for building and developing teams for businesses to scale. Her hands-on leadership approach and experience in project management and service operations has been critical to her success. Tina's determination to provide a premium customer experience, both internally and externally, really helps SVT's culture stand out in everything they do. Tina is a graduate of Eastern Michigan University and an NSCA Ignite Ambassador. She is also a passionate advocate for helping women leaders grow and rise in the industry. We live stream this interview on social media on Thursday, October 20th, 2022 at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. During our time together, we discussed NSCA's Pivot to Profit 2022 event that took place in Chicago, SVT's history and current service offering, the importance of a strong company culture to attract talent, Tina's passion as an NSCA Ignite ambassador to help educate rising talent in our industry and growing leaders within the SVT organization. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do as well. Let's tune into this interview with Tina Peters. Tina, how are you? Doing well. How are you? I am good. So what do you think about all those shenanigans as we were trying to get technology to behave? You know, I think that's the nature of our business. We should be used to that, right? <laughs> and like you said, you made it happen. You found a way. I was uh, I was talking to, uh, there's a, an editor of a, a magazine on the residential integration side. Uh, I'll probably butcher it now, but the, the gentleman's name is uh, Jeremy Glowalki uh, with I want to say residential tech today. And he and I were talking last week. He he runs a podcast, but all of his shows are uh, recorded in advance and then edited and put out on the internet. And they're always perfect. And, uh, and I said, Jeremy, I'm a bit jealous because your shows, you always look calm and you always, everything, it's always hits the, the, the internet on the same day at the same time. He's like, Ron, you have it all wrong. I like watching your show because I never know what's going to happen. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if that's a good thing, but uh, there are some challenges with being live. And that is, uh, you know, sometimes the internet doesn't behave amongst other things. But I appreciate your patience and, uh, and willingness to join me here. Uh, if you could, Tina, maybe just uh, enlighten us uh, in terms of your role and responsibilities at SVT. Maybe tell us a little bit about SVT. And then additionally, I know you also have an executive role at another company uh, called ProTech Management. And so if you could uh, fill us in. Yes, absolutely. So I am Tina Peters, Executive Vice President of SVT. Um, and SVT got its start over 60 years ago in the horse and dog track uh, arena. So, you know, I know you said the interesting sport view television, that's where it came from, came from that, our, where our start is from. And the interesting thing is, is today we still have people on site 
at mostly horse tracks at this point, um, running the races. And we have people on site at our casinos down there um, in Florida. And, you know, it's just, it's a business that we've really enjoyed. Um, and that's where we got our start. And it's been great um, from the managed service side. You know, many of the companies now are trying to get into managed services, and that's actually where we got our start. Um, so SVT is a company now um, that takes different forms of technology and integrates them together to help people communicate effectively. So that can be school communications, that can be nurse call, that can be what most integrators are used to in our industry, audio video conferencing. And that's kind of the gamut of what we do. Um, ProTech Management, as you had mentioned, is a separate company. Um, but it, I am the executive vice president of ProTech Management as well. So ProTech Management is a newer company. It's just been out a little over a year right now. Mm -hmm. And ProTech Management has a very interesting proactive service offering. So ProTech Management takes a software called Utelogy. That is the back end of ProTech Management. We use that to monitor customers' devices that are on their network. And we use that to keep a customer 100% aware 100% of the time. So we are going to tell a customer when one of their pieces of equipment falls offline before they go to use their room. Um, and we couple that software with our services. So we have a service attached to that software that allows us to provide either remote support and or on-site support along with that proactive monitoring. Awesome, I know uh, just recently I'm trying to think of where we were. Everything blends together. Where were we for Pivot to Profit? What city was that? We were in Chicago for Pivot We to were Profit. in Chicago. Okay. Yes. So uh, we were just there recently in recent weeks, maybe last month. And uh, I know ProTech Management, uh, there was, uh, you guys had a, a table there and you guys were having meetings. Um, how was that? Just out of curiosity, how, how was that event for, for ProTech Management? I love P2P. Um, so Pivot to Profit is, is a very, very in, intimate in, event. So you're able to have those tech talks where you're one-on-one -on -one with multiple integrators. Um, and it was very, very valuable to ProTech Management. A lot of integrators right now are having a hard time finding out how do I get into that managed services business? How, how do I create an offering um, that you know, sets me apart, that keeps me competitive? And what ProTech Management offers is they're the easy button for those integrators. They have everything, the marketing material, they have the services that go along with it. And that's an offering that goes out to those integrators so they don't have to spend the time and money to try to recreate that themselves. So ProTech Management has taken the time to go over, you know, got to start talking just about the core customer. Who's the core customer? What are their needs? Understanding that understanding what the current offerings are out there and what would set ProTech management apart. And that's really where we got into that proactive part of it. But P2P has been, is just a really, really great event due to the int intimacy of it. Um, the business leadership conference that the NSCA puts on is pretty awesome as well, but I really, really do like how small Pivot to Profit is. No, I, I agree. In 2022, when Firefly joined as a partner in the NSCA and we attended both conferences. So it was all new to us and they were they were just great events. So so professionally run, polished, well-run events. So they, they were a lot of fun. Um, pivoting back to SVT, and I'm going to ask a silly question, and I know I probably should know the answer to this, but just, you know, explain it to me like I'm a fifth grader. So what are you guys doing at dog tracks and horse tracks? Is this like all the displays and technologies or like 
when you when you say you have people at all of these facilities here in Florida, I'm in Fort Lauderdale, what are they doing? So I know, it, you know, in our industry, people would think, oh, the displays and the audio, but we actually have people running the cameras for the races. And if you look at our website, we actually um, had a, a special photo finish years ago. And that's kind of where we kind of got the start 60 years ago. That's how we got our in. And we still, to this day, like I said, have people working at those, those tracks when a race goes, right? We have the operators that are in the rooms that are changing as the, into the different camera views. And then we have camera operators that are out in filming the races. So it's exactly what you would think at a, at a track. Holy cow. Now, is that like, I know if you go to a, a and I'm not a gambler, so I, I'm going to be very rudimentary in my terms here. Uh, I say I'm not anybody that knows me. They'll know I'll play some craps in Vegas, but I'm, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know how to bet the horses. I would look pretty silly trying to do that. But I, at the casinos in Vegas, like I know you go to the, the, the sports book area and you see all the, all the screens with all the horse races all uh, going on. Is that, is that you guys would be behind some of those cameras for some of those tracks? For those races. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And there. then we do have facilities when they're not live racing, we're simulcast, we're broadcasting races from other facilities and those facilities as well. Okay. And so at SVT, uh, you know, if you were to say that for that business, how much of your business is that stuff versus maybe what we'd call more classic integration. I say, I would say we probably have about 20% left of that managed service where we got our start at those horse and dog tracks. So we, we also actually have people that, you know, our IT support on some of those tracks as well. So. Okay. And so for SVT, talk to us a little bit about what's the type of projects, what, what are the type of customers you're serving outside of the, the dog track and horse tracks? Um, what customers are you serving and what are typical types of solutions you guys are providing? So the great thing is, is SVT is in all markets. So, you know, um, we are in education, we're in higher ed, we're in K-12, we're in corporate, we're in hospitality, you know, we are, we're in all markets. So the great thing is, is no matter what happens in the economy or things like that, we're in markets that, you know, somebody's always buying, Right. And so, you know, the systems we install, so we um, actually are an ASCOM nurse call, but, um, so we install ASCOM nurse call mm -hmm. um, locally in the hospitals. Um, and then as far as school communication, we install, right, school communication systems, um, audio video conferencing that, you know, any manufacturer that you can think of, it could be a simple one room huddle room with just a camera and you know, a display, it could be, then we get into large divisible rooms. So SVTs really runs the gamut of, you know, industries that we work in, as well as technologies that we provide, as well as size of project. We could do a, you know, small $2,500 project to a multi-million dollar project. Um, we've even installed some of those sports book video walls um, in some casinos as well. No, that's, that's awesome. I'm looking, we have, we have some people live, uh, uh, watching the show, Tina. This is pretty cool. David, I see a number up here. Is this number from YouTube or is this from LinkedIn? Hey, out there, if you're out there, drop into the comments and say hello to Tina. Hello. This is, this is her first podcast. Now she's a, a professional public speaker and she's been on a million webinars, but, uh, we are her first podcast, which is pretty cool. So make sure you drop into the comments and say hi to Tina 
and let her know that you appreciate her coming on here and sharing, uh, which is which is pretty cool. Um, in terms of the 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 SVT business, I'm I'm curious because you guys are in so many different industries and you serve so many different customers with so many different solutions. Uh, not that I want to belabor the point, but I am just curious. Kind of there was the the you know March 2020 COVID thing. And I'll say on the residential side of the industry, like everything, everyone got real scared and then technology in the home, you know, blew up and, and got really big. It's still really big. It's kind of crazy. On the For you guys, what did you see in terms of the demand for your products and solutions and, and what does it look like now in comparison? So I would say, um, you know, the demand really has come to having to be manufacturer agnostic and being able to provide solutions where equipment equipment is readily available. I would say that's that's the biggest thing. You know, obviously, you know, March of 2020, we're in, in Michigan, and Michigan was one of the states where all construction and everything was shut down for a while. So, you know, unfortunately, we were too for about a month. Um, but the great thing is, is because we are in all those markets, obviously our healthcare market slowed down, right? They didn't want anybody in the hospitals unless it was some critical service or something like that. Um, but we were still seeing, you know, the need for corporate AV, right? Because all the employees are at home, they still need to be able to connect. Executives were still coming into the office if they could. So there was a, still a need for that video conferencing. And I would say that's kind of, you know, the biggest thing that we saw was that need to still stay connected while everybody was remote. Um, so we had, a lot, we had a lot of that during that time. Um, now that you know, we're kind of coming out of that. Now the healthcare is really booming because it sat for so long. You know, they didn't want anybody working in there with the COVID patients. So, you know, we're definitely seeing the healthcare come back um, as well as we've seen a lot of success recently in higher ed. Mm -hmm. um, some of the, the smaller technical community colleges, we've seen a lot of uh, needs there and actually needs for that pro-tech management as well. Tina, you've got some fans out there. We have, all right, I'm putting it on the screen. Ryan Dickerson says, hey, Tina, she's a rock star. Uh, Thanks, Ryan. That's awesome. And uh, we have Kendra. She goes, we love you, Tina. This is from YouTube. <laughs> love you guys, too. Uh, this is so cool. And we got uh, Jessica. She's uh, here at Team One Firefly. She says, hi, Tina. Hi, Jessica. And uh, all right, I'll, I'll put more shout outs. But if you're out there, don't be shy. Make sure you comment. And if you have questions for Tina, let us know what those are. Uh, so I want to jump, Tina, if you will allow. I'd love uh, to know your background. That's uh, I commonly get that feedback from our listeners. They love to know how do the people land in this business? So take us back and help us understand kind of where you come from. So, so I probably have to take you all the way back to college for that. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I, when I went away to college, I really, you know, thought, yeah, I'm going to be a teacher, right? Had all that in there. I'm going to be a teacher and kind of started in uh, college and wasn't sure and kind of changed my major. And unfortunately, uh, my mother had passed um, while I was in college. And that was kind of, a, I'll, I'll say, a reset in my life for me at that point. Sure. Um, I took a year off of college to kind of, like I said, reset myself and when I came back, I, I wanted to get out of college to kind of start my life. I was ready to be done with college and start my life. And mm -hmm. I met um, with my counselor and I went into my counselor and I said, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be done. How can I get out of here with my degree? Because I wanted my degree. And my counselor said communications. I said, all right, 
Not really sure, but okay. Did you ask what that was or I, I, what, I, I what you would course, do with that? The classes, um, you know, I don't think I was as worried about that as much as I was worried about just being done with college and having my degree. Um, and so I got my degree in communications. And when I was just about ready to graduate college, um, my aunt was working for a woman-owned business. And she said, hey, I'm working for this women-owned business. I think that you would probably really enjoy it here. Why don't you just come interview and just see? So I went and interviewed, and that was actually PTG, where I got my start in the industry. And that's how I landed in the industry, and I haven't left since. Um, it's a great industry to be in. I had no idea what it was prior to getting into it. Probably it's didn't know it existed, I imagine. Had no idea it existed. Yeah. And I think people still today, when they ask me what I do or what, you know, what the industry is, they still don't understand or have never heard of it. So yeah, it's just a great industry to be in. I love it. Technology always changes. So it, you always have to think on your feet, kind of like we did earlier today to get on this, this podcast. And, you know, yeah. it's just always very exciting. No, I, I agree. All right. So take us, you, you were, how did you land at SVT? How did that transition happen? So let me, so, um, you know, when I, when I started off at PTG, I kind of started off as a sales coordinator and um, got, got my start there a little bit. And I actually moved into an operations role. And that's kind of where I, I started the most of my career. Most of my career has been in operations. So I started as a project coordinator, kind of project management and moved up from there. Um, I was at SVT for a short time um, as a project manager and was looking for a leadership role and SVT did not have a leadership role open. Um, so I had went back to PTG actually um, and worked for a little while um, and SVT had a leadership role open. And I really loved the culture at SVT and I really loved the team that I worked with at SVT. So when that opportunity came to come back to SVT in a leadership role, that's what I did. Um, so when I came back to SVT, I was a senior project manager just for a short time to kind of get some projects over the finish line mm -hmm. and then moved into the director of operations role um, and really enjoyed operations, went to uh, the vice president of operations role from there. And then just as of January, I'm the executive vice president responsible for everything from quote to cash, basically. So now I get the sales side um, and get to work with the sales side, which is really, really exciting. That's is that, so that's full, uh, not to get overly, you know, financially nerdy, but that's full PL responsibility for the business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's what's that like working with the salespeople? Aren't salespeople all bad and rotten people? I'm <laughs> no, speaking I, as one of those people. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, coming from operations, you would think I would say that, but no, it's exciting. I love it because I love being in front of people. I love being in front of the customer and working with the salespeople to see the exciting opportunities they bring in. I mean, the hunt and the kill is just as fun as the implementation, right? It, it, I appreciate you saying that. There's not everyone will fully appreciate, you know, that there is fun and joy on both sides. It's just, how do you, how do you look at it? What? I, so that's super. I didn't know that. I love this when I, I, I don't, I, I, didn't fully do all my due diligence in advance. So I have a lot of questions. What has been your biggest surprise kind of coming into that, that level of responsibility, you know, from, from marketing and sales all the way to closing the business and, and running a tight operation? What have been maybe surprising to you in that transition? Um, I don't know what would be surprising to me. I think, um, you know, really starting to dig into that P&L and the financials, I would say is definitely the biggest learning curve that I've had because I've never been in a role where I have full P&L responsibility. 
um, and looking at the finances each month and ensuring, right, we perform. And so I would say that would be, you know, the place that I, I've had to learn the most moving into this role. Um, I think the surprise, I guess I would say, is the enjoyment and the fulfillment I see when the team works together and the team gets excited and seeing everybody happy. I mean, I, I would say I didn't realize I would get as much fulfillment out of that that I do. And I would say that's probably the biggest surprise. It, it, you mentioned that when you joined SVT, you joined because of the culture. And now in your role today, clearly culture is an important part of the equation to grow a company, to attract customers, but more importantly, to attract talent and retain talent. Kind of how do you think about culture of your company and, and building a strong culture? So I, I kind of describe our culture um, in two different ways. Um, the first one is work hard, play hard. So we do operate as a startup, having a startup as a sister company with ProTech Management as far as SVT. So we do operate as a startup. All, we continuously heavily invest in the business to get the business to scale and grow. And so that's that work hard, right? When you're working in an environment where you're looking to scale and grow and you're consistently investing in the business, that's where the work hard comes in. But we also have the play hard. You know, we hop on to video meetings. Everything is video. We are a nationwide company. Video is required on all of our communication so that we can stay connected. We ask people to dial in five minutes early to kind of get the water cooler talk and you know, mm -hmm. getting to know each other and spending time together. So we really, really encourage that, um, you know, the video communication and the connection within our culture. You know, as well as we're on a calls, you know, right now it's the month of October and we have one of our senior project managers every day talking about a Halloween movie. Um, and it's just making sure that you're injecting different items of fun into your everyday work life. Um, the other, the second way that I describe our culture is really family first internally and externally. So family first externally, we want to make sure that people have the time and they're able to be there with their families. So, you know, we've always kind of had a hybrid working environment. Um, even prior to COVID, we were kind of in the office for the people that report to the office Monday, Wednesday, Friday and home Tuesdays, Thursdays. And so, you know, we have a little bit of a flexible schedule. We have you know, there's obviously huddles. We have daily touch bases so that the team can stay connected. But if they have an appointment here or there, they're able to go to that if they have to take their family member somewhere. So that's kind of the family first externally. And then internally, we see each other as family. You know, we are a 68 person company right now. We can be over 100 people with our full time and, or with our part time employees, but 68 full time employees. And we are a family of 68 people and we truly value each other. And that's why, you know, when we interview, we interview so heavily for culture. Culture is more important than the skills as far as I'm concerned, because you can bring one person that doesn't fit in your, to your culture, and that can, that can heavily hurt your culture as far as I'm concerned. When you have one person that, you know, they can taint a culture. Um, the great thing I would say about our culture, though, is we are so strong that occasionally if one of those people come in, they sometimes self-select out because they realize that they don't fit in because that culture is so strong and they realize that they just don't belong. And so when we interview, we focus heavily on those culture questions just to make sure that those people are going to fit into our family because it truly is a family. So do you have a book or a, a, a mentor or a philosophy that you, you follow around your hiring process? And I'm asking the question that way 
because when you and I got on, you're like, Ron, you don't have your Who book next to you. And Who is a, a book by Jeff Smart. And uh, it was very astute observation of you to notice that it was not next to me because my wife had reorganized my office. And uh, so that's, a, for example, a book we follow pretty closely here at One Firefly and a lot of our hiring methods. I'm just curious, do you follow that or are there other kind of books you might even recommend for the folks that are tuning in? We do actually try to follow the Who book as well, making sure that we're doing those interviews, making sure that we're checking those references. Um, you know, we had a couple of people that have come in recently and they actually said, you know, you're one of the first people, I'm surprised you checked my references. Many people don't even check references. Um, and I thought that was an interesting comment because that's so important. That's funny. We, we in our interviews, we go back to high school and we, we'll get the feedback. People go, I've never been asked about high school ever. I'm like, well, you are here at One Firefly. We, we go way back. You go to the beginning. And the idea is that people, when you, when you go through, you know, detailed audits of their background and experience, there are trends that surface. There are repeating patterns that surface. And the only way to know that is to go back. So that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. How long, I'm curious, did you institute that? Or how long have you guys been following kind of, it's called the A method of hiring. How long have you guys been practicing that? So remember? I think we've been doing that. I think we all read the book. I think it's about, and you know, timelines right now, <laughs> these last few oh, years, I know. Are, it, right? Everything... Is it three months or three years? I'm not sure. Um, but I think it's been about a year and a half now that we've um, been instituting the Who book and making sure that we're following those procedures. That's uh, so. I, is anyone out there? We'll drop the Who book into the the chat, uh, into the comments, and uh, it's a great book. It's probably the number one book that I refer and or recommend to people. And so that leads into people, which leads into talent. And I know I heard this. I heard many sessions at P2P. And I've heard it at ongoing uh, conferences for really the entirety of this year is that is the challenges around people. What are you seeing right now? Are you finding the people that you need uh, to, to as you're growing your team and you guys are on this, this growth path? I would say, you know, recently we've actually um, added some amazing team members to the team. But I would say it's a lot longer process than it used to be. Um, and not only just because we're making sure we're taking our time to run through the who book and making sure that we're doing those interviews and that we're checking the references, but I would say just the time for the candidates just to come in, um, you know, we're not getting as many candidates as we used to be, or as we used to, and, you know, being able to sift through and get the candidates that you actually, you know, are ready to interview that you feel will fit into that position and into your culture. It's been hard. I would say it's, it's a lot smaller sampling than we, we used to have. Um, but, you know, because we take the time and we do the, the Who book and we make sure we do everything we should, we're, we're getting some really, really great talent recently. Do you bring, out of curiosity, do you bring all your candidates in, uh, like physically to your office? We do everything virtually. We're a virtual company. So our, although I'm here in Fort Lauderdale and my office is in Coral Springs, about five minutes away, uh, I pride myself on actually never going to the office. So our, our whole company operates virtually generally from home offices. Um, so we do it all through Zoom or through Google Meet or whatever we use now. Um, how do you guys do it? Do you, do you do any of that virtually or is it all in-person stuff? So we, everything is virtual for us as well because we could be, high, you know, we're in Michigan, we could be hiring somebody in California, Florida, where you are, and it's just not practical. 
like you said, it's just not practical to bring somebody in in person. Now, what we will do is once we hire them, we bring them into our headquarters in Brighton, Michigan, just to onboard them, let them feel the culture because you know, the culture is really, really great through video, but being in the office and being around everybody and really physically feeling that culture is that much better. Um, yeah. So we do bring our remote employees in for a week once they are on, you know, either the first week they're onboarded just kind of depends on the schedule, but we bring them in for a week just so they can feel that physical culture in the headquarters office as well. Now on that theme of uh, talent and people, our, our industry, uh, certainly what, what I've been hearing and I'm sure you've been hearing, because I know you do volunteering on your own different boards and committees is generally the, the, the challenge around the availability of talent that just as you said, you had never heard of this space. I had never heard of this space. I got recruited out of college into this space 22 years ago. And uh, I know that you, you've had some involvement with Ignite. Uh, I'm going to put that on the screen and maybe uh, if you don't mind, uh, zero pressure. Actually, it'll take me. I see the screen went away. So I'm going to click on my thing here. There we go. I'd love for you to kind of share with our listeners through NSCA's Ignite generally what that is and uh, kind of maybe just your pulse check on where we are with, you know, bringing new people into the industry. So the goal of Ignite is really to ignite awareness of our industry. And they, um, it has been really, really great. So I am an Ignite ambassador and I was able to go to a local high school here and speak to a class. And it was, it was pretty cool to be able to tell that class that, you know, this day and age, everybody says you have to go to college and you need a degree. Well, you know, we have people that are working for us that don't have degrees that are able to travel and see the world and still make really, really great money. So it was really good to be able to share the industry because most of them haven't heard of the industry at all. You know, in high school, they have coding and things like that. You see the coding classes and things like that, but that they turn into computer programming and they don't realize that they can actually, you know, use that in our industry. And so being able to get in front of these, um, the next generation and explain what the industry is and how exciting the industry is and what they can do in that industry has been really, really great. Um, NSCA also offers Ignite scholarships to bring on interns into your company and NSCA will actually give you scholarship money to bring that intern on. And so they've had a, a really heavy focus on just awareness of the industry. Like I said, igniting awareness of the industry. Um, it's, you know, going to conferences and things like that, you know, I, I would say each conference I go to, it gets better. Um, but, you know, being in this industry, you know, 17 years now, um, you know, going to conferences before there was not much diversity as we had talked about, not much diversity as far as, you know, just age, right, females, that any, any type of diversity, there just wasn't a lot out there. And, you know, it is, like I said, getting better, but slowly. And I think that that's, that's one. It's thing. mostly an industry of old white guys, isn't it? Right. <laughs> right. And when You're you like, go, Ron, that's, you went there. I, yeah. You went there, Ron. I would thank you for going yeah, there. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And that, you know, that's what they joke at the conferences. It's a bunch of old white guys and yeah. they're all, and a lot of them are ready to leave the industry. They've been in the industry a long time. They're ready to retire. And a lot of them don't have succession plans. And that's a big, big hole in our industry because what happens to all of these companies as these people retire, these companies, you know, what happens to our industry, you know? And so 
I think that you know, focusing on diversity and getting younger people excited about our industry and actually just knowing about our industry and how exciting it could be, I think is something that we all need to focus on. No, I agree. It, it is interesting when you, and I've been hearing this theme, what you just mentioned, this idea that there's a, this maybe a first or second generation business owner that's running a, a technology contracting business. Um, there's a, a whole group of them that are approaching retirement. It's, it's just the numbers of the numbers. And yet you think about, and you said this actually when you started, what got you excited about this industry is there's going to be more technology tomorrow than there is today. So the demand for technology is not going to go away, yet clearly there's going to be some sort of transfer transition that happens in the next five to 10 years. And where is that going to come now clearly you're a demonstration of what's going to happen is it's the the old guard's going to change and there's going to be a new guard that comes in um but i i think that that's an an interesting observation and i i can tell you from my point of view i talk to lots of businesses that um do not know how to go and find people that are not aware of this industry and they don't know how to bring them into this industry so i'll just I don't know if that's a hard question or not, but is there any ideas or any thoughts? I mean, you've mentioned what Ignite is doing, but you know, for all the folks in varying, our, our listeners are around the world and they are trying to bring, they're trying to grow their business. And for many of those businesses, people and talent is the bottleneck. It's one of the bottlenecks. We won't talk about this dirty supply chain issue. <laughs> not, not this hour, there's enough of that out there. I've done it enough times on this show, so we won't go there today. But uh, any thoughts or ideas in terms of how the, you know, the I, folks can expand their, you know, thinking of the A method, expanding their reach in terms of drawing people in? Absolutely. I think, you know, developing some sort of an internal intern program, finding people at either, you know, later years in high school or at some of these technical colleges and getting them into a summer internship program or something that allows them to get their hands on the technology. You know, we have, for example, in the SVT office, we have an integration lab where we build all of our racks, you know, build our systems, test our systems, update our firmware. So that's a great place to be able to bring people in. You know, what do people get excited the most about getting their hands on the technology? And so building your own internal internship program where you're bringing in some of the, the younger generation to just get them in, to make them aware, to start training them. You know, a lot of times in our industries, um, the summer work ticks up because schools are closed and all of that education work. And so those few months of the summer, a lot of co integration companies need additional help. Um, just for the summer. So it's getting that internship program to get those kids out there and get them working in the summer and starting to learn the business so that when they graduate high school or they do go to a technical college, they graduate technical college, they already have an awareness of the industry and they maybe know where they want to go in the industry. And that's, I think it's a, a good first step. I don't know that I have a silver bullet for it, um, but I think that's a good first step. Have you guys done, or are you familiar with any strategies of like going to local, whether it be high schools or community colleges or apprenticeship schools, or have you done any outreach or heard of success stories in terms of, of trying to reach locally into the community to, to find folks to join the industry or join the business? 
Um, we personally have not, but I know yeah. of a partner local to Michigan. Um, he actually works with a college in Ohio, and um, it's actually something I talked to him about looking to see if we can get involved, um, where he, it's it's basically an internship through program through this college and you have to, you house them you bring them up for the summer and you house them from the college in Ohio and they work with you for the summer and they have a program basically well they'll they'll work with you to get students out of that technical college in Ohio and they'll come and work with you for the summer so I know that there are programs out there that do that we just personally have not worked on those with those programs yet got it I'm gonna ask you a totally abstract question uh but it's uh, and I, I, I did not talk to you in advance about this, but it, I okay. just love kind of your raw gut feeling around this. You know, we, you and me and everyone listening uh, around the world is, is particularly hit with really crazy high levels of inflation. The economy uh, may or may not be in a recession. I actually think we are, but I don't know. I know GDP is, uh, you know, you have to look at unemployment numbers and GDP and all these indicators. And I'm by no means any sort of economist. But, you know, things are times are certainly weird, if nothing else. When you guys look into the future, I'll just say the next 12 months, what are you seeing? Are you seeing any sort of now you're very diversified in lots of different industries and in lots of different markets? Is that the protection from strangeness in the economy or kind the of what could you what could you shed on that? The diversification is definitely purposeful. You know, we as a as an executive team make sure that we are consistently monitoring those macroeconomic effects that could, you know, affect our business. And, you know, our eyes are open to those and we're consistently watching that. But that's why we are in the, all of those markets. And that's why we are nationwide. So that there's, a, there's always something, always somebody buying, as I think I said at the beginning of the call. And that's, that's, that's what we see. That's how we keep ourselves competitive. And that's how we keep ourselves relevant. Got it. No, that's, that's brilliant. And, uh, and I think that's, that's really smart, a smart business strategy for sure. Now, as we, you mentioned before we went live, you mentioned the author's name, Patrick Lencioni. And Patrick, you even pulled up one of his books, the, the, yes. the, the Five Dysfunctions book. Um, and so that author is a often recommended author in the EOS traction land. And we here at One Firefly follow EOS traction. So I was curious, um, you, you have a 68 person team and you talk about leadership teams and you even talk about growing that next um, level of management and future leaders of your company. Uh, are there methodologies or, uh, and again, I, I could give names, strategic coach, EOS, is there some sort of structure that you guys follow in terms of how you run the business? Absolutely. So um, I, we have an executive coach that we work with um, and we do quarterly planning sessions with our executive coach. Um, and so he focuses on metronomics, um, which is kind of another, you know, we do kind of our strategic planning with metronomics. There is um, a book on that as well. Um, and so um, we focus basically quarter by quarter. That's how we plan. And lately we've been talking a lot about the Lencioni books. We just recently read The Motive uh, by mm -hmm. Lencioni, and it focuses on responsibility-centered leaders or reward-centered leaders. Responsibility center leaders, right, want to serve others. They want to do what's necessary to make sure that the team is successful. Uh, where reward center leaders, they're looking for the money. They're looking for the clout. They're looking to, you know, I don't know how I want to, you know, the power, the status. Sure. And so 
you know, it's obviously a heavy focus. We have, we have, do not have, we have responsibility centered leaders, which is perfect because we look for servant leaders in our company. And mm -hmm. so we've uh, heavily focused on now, how do, do we develop that next level of leadership? SVT's goal is to grow and we are going to continue to grow. And in order to do that, you have to have a great next level of leadership. So we have a heavy focus on ensuring that we're providing the proper support and coaching to that next level of leadership. I love it. What, what are one or two ideas uh, or practices that you have, uh, you and your leadership have in terms of uh, probably or likely giving you guys um, the ability to stay on course for that growth? And I'll, I'll give you an example. At One Firefly, uh, back in 2019, we instituted the concept of the L10 meeting, right? Having a meeting structure and a format to our meetings, having uh, the quarterly planning meetings, right? That you mentioned you have. Could you, do you mind going into depth one or two uh, just ideas that you know clearly are making a difference in your business? Absolutely. So I could say ditto because we do both of those, but I'm not going to. Okay. Um, okay. So um, we do have those level 10 um, meetings, the L10 meetings every week, and we have a software actually metronome. And so we're putting all of our action items in there. We're putting all of our issues, um, you know, going over good news. So we make sure to keep ourselves disciplined, you know, and it's an expectation that all that software is filled out prior to the L10 meeting. So that when we get into the L10 meeting, it's just, let's get the, let's talk about the business and get that business done. Uh, we also use that same software I, I do for one-on-ones with, you know, the, the VPs and the directors. I use that same software too. It helps hold our, hold each other accountable. Action items are in there, expectations with dates. You know, that's kind of how we, how we, you know, the metronome, right? That's how we keep on pace. Um, you know, we do strategic planning once a quarter. Stuff changes so much that once a year, you know, I'm sure you feel the same way. Once a year, it just wasn't enough for us, especially right now. Um, so we plan once a quarter. We just actually had our strategic planning session a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to present it to the company on Wednesday of, you know, what are the priorities? We make sure that we communicate those priorities to the team every single time because that's the most important thing because they have to know where we're going to and how we're going to get there and why and explaining the why. So I would say, you know, open communication is one of our core values. So we try to be very, very transparent as a leadership team. Mm. So our entire team understands where we're going, how we're going to get there and why. And I think that helps with the level of accountability. So everybody is marching to that same drum. Can you expound on, you said core values. Uh, what are they? Not, not necessarily what are yours, because you can go there or not, but just what are they and, and why do they matter from your point of view? So our, our, account of, our core values are accountability, dedication, value, compassion, open communication, and teamwork. And to me, you know, a few of those speak to that, to that family first that I was saying, right? The teamwork, the compassion. Open communication to me is so important. Having those hard conversations, I think I've said the last few weeks, rip the Band-Aid off. Have the hard conversation. If you can't have the hard conversation, you're not going to be able to fix whatever's going on. Um, so that's why open communication is so uh, important to us. Um, you know, dedication. We want to make sure that, you know, everybody at the team is dedicated. Again, fits into that family first. So that's kind of a little bit about our core values. No, I, I love it. I, I don't know if this is a joke or not, but I'm going to put it on the screen anyway. Uh, Kendra says, wash hands. So I, I don't know. Not sure. <laughs> I, I don't, I think washing hands, Kendra, is a good idea. 
Uh, I don't know if that's a core value though, but, <laughs> and the reason I, I was, I was posing that question, Tina, is that for years, I remember when I started this business, uh, what in 2007, I was like told one of the things I needed to have was core values. So I went and looked on some websites and I said, well, that's a good one. And that's a good one. And I put them on my website and it was up until 2019 that, uh, a set of core values were on my website, but actually if I asked anyone in my company, no one could have said what they were. We didn't hire based on them. We didn't manage or uh, interact with our team around them. We didn't reward based on them. And today we're a fundamentally different company because it's, it's in fact uh, an integral part of this business because we developed our core values looking at the best of our people, not even aspirationally, not like what we hoped they would do or hoped they would practice, but we looked at our best people and said, this is who they are. And that's what, you know, if we bring on more people, we want them to, to practice that and to be that and to know that and to be rewarded for that. Um, we, we even have a, I don't know, do you guys use Slack or Teams or like, how do you guys chat with teams. each other? We chat over Teams. You have, you have chatter teams. We even have a piece of software that we plug into our Slack and uh, and call each other out on that. So I'm, uh, I, I was curious, do you incorporate the concept of core values into hiring? And if so, how do you do that? So we absolutely do. Um, you know, we it's funny you say that because we kind of uh, revamped our core values in 19 as well. We had 11 prior to Oh, that's a lot. I think I had 16. 11. So <laughs> now we have five. Right. And, and so we kind of went to the team too. Okay. What are the core values that, that kind of matter to you? And that's kind of how we, um, you know, how we got to those core values, but definitely, you know, when I, I, I've had people tell me when they interview with me. So, you know, one of the core values is open communication and they, I've had people tell me when they interview with me, wow, wow, you're really open. And, and you're, you're just, you're just talking to me like it's a conversation. And I said, that's our culture. We want you to feel that at the very first interview, the very first word that comes out of any of our hiring manager's mouth, we want them to feel that culture. We want them to hear it. And so, you know, we, we try to live those core values every day. So even in our interactions with those people that we're interviewing, we want them to feel those core values and see them so that they can see really, you know, we do live what we say. You know, it's not just words. They can see that and feel that during the interview process so that they know when they come in and they start living it, it's real, it's actual. When you had referenced a bit ago, Tina, the idea of building that next generation of leaders in your company, how do you go about doing that? So we've um, recently started, um, you know, the little fly on the wall, I would say, right? How are your coaches coaching? So we do one-on-ones. Weekly one-on-ones are, are a requirement in our company. So all of our leaders meet with their direct reports once a week. So their leaders have been sitting in on those one-on-ones just to see how is your coach coaching? You know, that's one thing that, you know, our executive coach recommended that we do. And I think a lot of people don't look at that. They just communicate to whoever reports to them and just assume that that message makes it properly to the rest of the team. But that's not a good assumption to make. We've all played the game of telephone when we were kids, right? You know what happens there. And so it's just ensuring that that leadership team understands the, the business, understands the vision, 
understands where you're going, and they can properly communicate to that to their team because they're hearing it from you know the leadership team once a week on our Wednesday all corporate huddles, but it needs to be continuous conversation and continuous communication. And so it's making sure that that next level of leadership understands that. Any big trends you see coming up, Tina? What's coming up in the next year, two years, three years? You look into your crystal ball. What's uh wow? Folks are listening and they're going, they're leaning in right now. They're going, oh goodness, what does Tina know? What's what's around the corner that has you and your team excited? I don't have my magic eight ball with me, but um, um, you know, I think that um, that the managed services really is where everything's going AV as a service. And I think that's the future, isn't it? Is is that certainly how it feels? And because everything's going that way, you buy a cell phone now, you buy cell phone as a service. You don't, you don't pay upfront for your cell phone. I mean, a lot of things are going to as a service and that's what a lot of people are used to and they're comfortable with. And I think, you know, integrators, we have to be ready for that. We have to know how we can transact that way, you know, what support looks like, what ongoing support looks like. And I really do think it's a focus on that managed service. What's normal out there? All of these, uh, anywhere from very large to very small AV firms signing these projects, again, full spectrum, whether they're localized projects or multi-location in the domestic U.S. or they can be multinational projects. How is the service side typical at a high level? What does that landscape look like? Are they all doing their own individual service contracts with, you know, the big fortune 500 company? I mean, is that what is normal? And do those large organizations, do they accept that or do they expect some, some higher level of service? So I would say, you know, our, what, what our industry is used to, the history of our industry, it's break fix. You go, it's break fix service, right? You go to use your room, it doesn't work. So then you call, you know, whoever it is that provides a service, my room's not working. Can you come fix it for me? Well, that how you have an executive go into a room, a CEO go into use a conference room with an entire leadership team and can't use the room. Nobody wants that telephone call. And how much money did that company just lose by having all of those people in there and the room is not working? And so that's why we've really shifted to that proactive mode. We want to tell them that that room is not working before they go in to use that room. We want to tell them, schedule your room, move it somewhere else. You know, nobody wants to get that call from the CEO that a room is not working when they go to have a meeting. If I could dig deeper, what prevents those companies from using Utelogy on their own, that's the back end to protect management, correct? Yes, yes. What, what, is. what? Can you, if you could differentiate for me, why have protect management operate that versus that individual company operate that software environment on their own? So first of all, if they have never worked with Utelogy or used Utelogy before, I mean, it requires programming and it requires an understanding of the technology. It requires an upfront financial, um, you know. Investment, I would imagine. Investment, absolutely. And it was in the time and money that we have invested as ProTech Management to just develop the offering, ensuring that we have the proper documentation, ensuring that we have the proper support. I mean, I think I told you it's been over a year or two years pretty much that we've been working on this. So Mm -hmm. if an integrator wants to start to try to do that now, they're already behind. And in order for them to be able to, you know, jump on that train and get, get there faster, they are able to use a partner like ProTech because ProTech's already figured all of that out. 
Um, and then the good thing about ProTech working with the integrator is that they're able to be that boots on the ground should they choose. So ProTech has three levels. The mm. first level is good, and that's just monitoring, and that's just alerts. Better is monitoring alerts and remote support, and then best is the boots on the ground. So an integrator could buy good from ProTech, but sell their customer basically best, and then they provide all the boots on the ground and all the service that they need. And ProTech is just going to help them implement that because we have the programming and the talent to be able to do that to help the integrator out. And in that ProTech model, there's uh, also an RMR, a recurring revenue stream for the dealer when they make that sale? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's all, you know, your yearly, monthly, however the client wants to be billed. But yes, it's it's all a, usually we go for about a three-year contract when we sell it. It's a ProTech deal. And so that's three years of recurring revenue. How, I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm, Uninformed, so I, I don't, not a leading question. What What is the normal landscape out there for, and I'll go back to SVT, companies like SVT out in the space, call it, you know, the 1,000 NSCA members or so, how many of them normally are, are relying or growing a recurring revenue stream within their business? Is that is that common or is this a newer category that's being worked on? I would say that I've heard about it in the shows a lot probably the last four years or so, I would say it's been, um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a push that way just because everything else is going that way. And that's really what companies are looking for. They want to know, I'm only going to pay this much per month and I'm going to have all my AV and it's going to work. And, you know, maybe I have a refresh in there depending on what it is. And so I would say that companies are definitely looking for that, that recurring revenue. I think that a lot of companies in the industry just, and, and the reason I'm saying this is what I'm hearing, the questions when we go to those shows and we go to Pivot to Profit and things like that are having a hard time. How do I price it? How do, you know, how do I know what my cost is going to be three years down the road? And I know a lot of them are having trouble. So I would say that people are starting down that way, but it, it's a difficult path to travel if you're just starting now, especially. And when, when integrators uh, partner with ProTech management, you guys help them with the pricing strategy and you, you coach them on, on how to ultimately sell that or at what price to sell that to their customers? Absolutely. So MSRP for ProTech management is posted on the ProTech website. And so that MSRP is out there for all customers to see. And so what ProTech does when they work with integrators is that they provide a percentage back to the integrators for that. And so that's how the the integrator gets their you know gets their percentage from each of those deals, and that's the integrator's recurring revenue that they get. All right, and I I just put the ProTech Management website for those that are watching this on LinkedIn or YouTube or on replay on Facebook, you're able to see the ProTech Management website. We'll also drop it down in the comments or on the show notes, uh, but that URL is ProTechManagement com. And uh, I also go ahead and put up the SVT website up here. Uh, I, I should have put this on the screen when you were telling us about SVT, but I'm, I'm doing it now better late than, than never. And we'll give that uh, URL as well. That's go uh, SVT.com. That's G O S V T. That's a very nice five letter URL. Those are not easy to come by. So uh, that's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, Tina, it has been uh, it has been a blast having you here on show uh, two two seven, 
Uh, by the way, I mentioned when we were starting that like, that was a television show. I know. Right? Are we sitting on the stairs? You got to sit on the stairs at the porch of 227. Come on. The, the porch of 227. <laughs> right, we'll have to make some show art for that. Yes. Um, but thank you for coming on to the show. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. And if you could tell our audience how they could get in touch with you or learn more about uh, SVT or ProTech, that'd be great. Absolutely. So I think you gave the websites and you said you were going to put those in. And then um, my email is tpeters, going to be an easy one, at gosvt.com. Awesome. Tina, it was awesome having you on show 227. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Automation Unplugged. For a full transcript of this show and all previous shows, head over to our website at onefirefly.com forward slash AU. There you'll find links to all transcripts, show notes, Facebook live recordings, and resources mentioned during the show. If you enjoyed this episode and like to hear more, follow us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please follow us on social media. We are at One Firefly LLC on all platforms. Don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Automation Unplugged as we dive deeper into technology trends and the fascinating people that make up the custom integration industry. Bye for now.